The Crime Wire Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Crime Wire Podcast. Uh, we are editors for the CrimeWire.com website. My name is Damon. And I am Jake. And uh, we work on articles about true crime for the Crime Wire. And this podcast, we feature cases that have been covered on some of our articles from some of our authors. And if you would like to be an author, there's a very simple process. You just need to email me and uh, one of us will get back to you with information about how to sign up and start writing and start submitting because we love working with authors on new cases and new articles. And that email is crimewireteam at gmail.com. So today's episode is an article that's been covered on the CrimeWire and also pretty much everywhere for the past, uh, how many years now, Jake? 15 or so? I think it's at 16. 16 years. And it's a case out of Canada. And a lot of true crime aficionados probably have followed this case. It's the Lindsay Buziak case. And uh, she was a realtor who was showing a house. I'm, I'm boiling it down uh, very simply here. And then Jake will fill in some details in a minute. But she was a 24-year-old realtor who was showing a house and then was found murdered later that day. And two people were seen entering the house. And uh, a lot of mysterious things happened in connection to this crime. And so, Jake, why don't you fill it in a little bit here? Sure. The interview we're about to conduct is with Jeff Buziak. And he is the father of Lindsay Buziak, who is the victim of this crime. So we're going to be hearing from him about this. So I'm going to run down basically what is known about the case. And then we're going to get into some more specifics of the past, the present, and and what's in store for this case with Jeff Buziak himself here in a little bit. Uh, This is one of those cases that for me, is is really haunting. When you really dig into the, the visceral details of the moment-to-moment, it's just utterly horrifying and also just incredibly bizarre that the cases remain unsolved. Uh, so this, this crime took place on February 2nd, 2008. And as you said, uh, Lindsay was a 24-year-old real estate agent, and she had arranged for a showing with a couple. And this couple said that they wanted to buy a million dollar home in Saanich, I believe is how it's called. And that's one of uh, Victoria's premier suburbs. So this is Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, the specific address was a cul-de-sac, 1702 de Salsa Place. And this was a unit that was open Basically, she was going to show it to these people, but there were there were strange elements to it from the beginning. She got a bad feeling from the start. For one, it was bizarre to her that she was fairly new in the real estate. Like she was up and coming, she was developing her career and everything. But um, you know, the real estate industry is about referrals. That's a huge part of it. You know, so when someone calls you out of the blue and says, Hey, we're going to, we want a million dollar house right now, like really quick. That's like a dream scenario. It doesn't happen very often. So naturally, Lindsay wanted to know, like, Oh, this is incredible. Like who, who referred me? And, you know, the person that the couple mentioned, Lindsay didn't know this person. And so, Something about it just wasn't sitting right with her. Did you think, Jake, that she might have been thinking it was too good to be true? 
Well, yeah, I think there was that feeling to it. And, and so her boyfriend, Jason Zalo, uh, was her boyfriend at the time. And he was also a, a real estate agent and they, they worked together. Uh, I think they had met at some kind of training thing for realtors. And, um, Lindsay's father, Jeff, uh, was and is in real estate as well. So, uh, she spoke about it with her boyfriend, Jason, and he offered to, do the showing for her. There was a, you know, new details have come out in the past couple of years from the Canadian newspaper that sued, sued uh, to get more information. And, but we still don't really know a whole lot about really what exactly happened at the house. What we do know is that Jason arrived at the house five minutes after Lindsay met with this couple. And as he pulled up, he thought he saw a male figure in the window. And from what he told the police afterwards, he said that he got the impression that someone was about to leave out the front door and that when he drove by and saw him, that that changed their plans. That's what he later said. So he parks, he calls Lindsay, he texts, he goes up to the front and knocks. She's not answering. She's supposedly inside showing this house to this couple and the door is locked, which is unusual. Usually when real estate showing, you show up, bring a couple inside or whatever, the door is going to remain unlocked. So he calls a 911 eventually. Then he realizes that there is a back patio area. He goes around to that back patio, realizes that the person he saw in the front probably left out back. He immediately runs upstairs and finds Lindsay laying in a pool of blood. And they later determined that she had been stabbed possibly a dozen or more times. We don't know an exact number, but she was viciously killed. And whoever did it, they did it quickly and they left out the back patio and somehow got off the island on a ferry, most likely. And that's all we know. 16 years later, we still don't know exactly what happened. And it was a couple that was seen by neighbors, I believe, because the the boyfriend never saw the couple, did he? He just saw the maybe the one guy. Is that right? Correct. Uh, to my knowledge, like a, a, a witness, either a construction worker, a lot of the places in that cul-de-sac were undeveloped. So it was either a worker or a neighbor or someone. They later described, yeah, a couple. And the woman was described as wearing a, a, a very kind of unusually colorful dress. This idiosyncratic dress is, has been described many times. It's become kind of one of the legends of the case because it's just so bizarre uh, about it and so horrifying. But we really don't know all that much else. There's been a lot of speculation that we're going to get into here. There's a lot of theories about what this could be. And I'm actually also curious about the law enforcement handling of this because, you know, 2008 was a while back, but it wasn't that long ago. I mean, they still, they had pretty modern investigative methods and, and science and stuff. So I'm assuming they tried to get other DNA or any sort of hairs or anything from the, besides Lindsay's. And, and do you know if they were successful extracting any of that stuff? So this is, this is what we know. What was reported in, uh, I believe 2021 was that a new investigative team was going to attempt uh, new DNA tactics called, uh, I believe the, the little system is called genetic genealogy. This has been used to solve a number of cold cases recently. In fact, there's a, uh, just a growing list. Um, we 
published a few articles on the site about it, but it's, you know, forensic evidence can help. Uh, and so we don't know. I mean, it's, there's no suspect that's been named. Yeah, there's theories about it, about who it could be or who's involved, but the police have never given an official name of a suspect or even that they have a specific person, right? Well, quite a bit has happened in the last couple of years, actually. And we should give credit to the Vancouver Island newspaper and the media group Capital Daily. In the summer of 2022, this was about 15 years after the, the murder, journalist uh, Xander Sherman, who I've spoken to a few times, and he's, he's done a lot of work trying to dig up uh, new information in this case. So the, the newspaper, they sued the British Columbia courts to unseal thousands of pages of never-before-seen police documents. I've read some of these, I've read reports of some of these. Supposedly, they're starting to offer some, some hints of possible prime suspects, possible motives. But this is, this is all very new and very controversial in some ways, contentious. Police have been very tight-lipped about this case. There's been a lot going on behind the scenes as well. Didn't they recently uh, bring in the FBI and like the RCMP and other people to help with the investigation in the last couple of years? I believe those have been part of it for uh, a few years now, at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's so many different stories. I mean, we're going to get into them, I'm sure, with Jeff. Uh, I don't know how far into the weeds we should get in this intro. But I'll just say this. Um, this guy, uh, retired uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police Investigator, it's a huge title there, Gary Rogers, did some work along with you know Xander, and they have uncovered some weird associations with the drug cartels. There's a notorious international cartel that, that was botched. They, a huge uh, a drug cartel lost a lot of money over something. There's rumors that Lindsay could have been connected, but... No one really knows how she's connected with it. Well, I have a lot more questions, and I'm sure you do as well, Jake. And so I'm looking forward to hearing what Jeff has to say. And uh, here's our interview with Jeff Buziak. We're here with Jeff Buziak, and uh, we're going to ask him some questions about current happenings in the case about Lindsay. And so, uh, Jake, why don't you start? All right, Jeff, first of all, it's so good to talk to you again. I've, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you over the last couple of years, and I really uh, have, have taken a personal like affinity to, to you and, and to this case. And so I want to ask you to maybe get started here by just telling us uh, what's going on on the February 2nd and how long have you been doing it for and how does it relate to what we're talking about here today? Well, I'll tell you, um, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you very much, uh, Jake, for keeping me in your mind. I really appreciate that. I feel uh, privileged that uh, you've taken an interest in this, and I respect that a lot. Damon, thank you for having me on the show, of course. So what's going on with me on February 2nd is I do a walk in Victoria. February 2nd is what I call Murder Day. I don't refer to this as anniversary at all. It was the day Lindsay got murdered. So every year now for the past 14, uh, I've been walking, uh, doing a public walk, and people join in with me. So it's a funny thing with me. It's something I want to do and I don't want to do. But because it's such an emotional thing that I have to go through, I'm already probably a bit stressed out about it for the past 
week or two. And it usually takes me that much to get over it as well. So what goes on is we walk from the Saanich, meet at the Saanich uh, Police Station or Saanich Municipal Hall, and we walk down to the legislature. So I uh, have to review everything in my mind, the murder, of course, because we do some press. And really the thrust of it is a duty for me. It's my duty to see that justice is served here. And it's been a really frustrating time for me. It's, I'm typically a guy who does things. So if I'm asked to go do something, I go do it. I think in this day and age, uh, humans are capable of doing whatever they want. But it seems in this particular case, they're not. Uh, it seems to drag on forever. Uh, there doesn't seem to be justice. There seems to be more protection for the criminals than there are for the innocent. And that really bothers me a lot. It bothers me that killers are all walking free in the community while women are at risk. Uh, police seem to somehow use some fancy words to say, oh, there's no problem here. And of course, I look at it and I go, what the hell are you talking about? No problem. We got somebody who planned and executed the young woman while she was working. And they're saying there's not a problem. There's not a risk to the community. Well, I say, fuck you. That's a huge risk. Huge. So. Yeah. For me, I'm driven from many different ways on this uh, February 2nd, Jake. It's my duty as a father. It's my duty as a citizen of the country to see justice is served for the most heinous crime there is to mankind, murder. It's the, it's the worst. Jeff, I was thinking about that the other day. Um, it's just kind of incredible that a young woman uh, doing her job could be lured while on her job and brutally murdered, and and 16 years later, we still don't have an arrest. Um, can you can you tell us where you think, to your understanding, the police are at, to your knowledge? Well, first, I'll give my personal opinion that they're a bunch of bumbling idiots, and that just really pisses me off. Um, where they're at right now, I think, from my knowledge, and it's certainly not from anything I get from them, they know who did it. They know what went on. They have more information and evidence than they've ever had on anything. And that was even confirmed by the FBI. It's like, holy shit, you guys have so much stuff with this case. But something is holding it back. And I've heard everything from, you know, confession to DNA to, you know, whatever excuse they make. But it, to me, it just seems like excuses because that's all I've heard for 16 years are explanations and excuses and no action. So to me, it's either they're covering up something or they've got some kind of scheme in their mind that they want, let's say, me to go away or they want everything to calm down. They don't want a big hoopla uh, or maybe just the courts are bogged down. Maybe nobody wants to tackle it. Maybe it's somebody prominent in the community involved. And they just don't want to do that. It's almost like they treat it as if, you know, she's dead. She's gone. Like, let's all go home and forget about it. And uh, I'm not. I want to ask you a little bit more about uh, the investigation because um, there was information or information has been released. The police have talked pretty openly about a potential connection to a drug cartel. And there's been a variety of theories that have been put out there by a variety of people. Um, is, is it your understanding that they're suspect? And is that still kind of the running theory? Was that this had some kind of connection to a drug cartel? 
I don't believe so. I think that's a distraction by police. Okay, okay. Off and make it sound way bigger than what it is. And also it's uh, re-victimizing the victim. So it's giving a negative taint to the victim. Say, hmm. Oh, drugs, so that was bad. You know, sort of the idea of they got what they deserved. And you know, that all that bullshit, which gives the police an excuse not to have it solved. It does give them some cover. They can say, well, the, yeah, this is a really complicated case and we're not releasing certain information because we don't want the cartel to cover up evidence or intimidate witnesses, right? But you're saying that they're using that as a shield, perhaps from criticism. Absolutely. I don't believe it has anything to do with cartel. What I do know about this case is Lindsay saw something she shouldn't have seen. She was trying to distance herself from the people that were involved with that and she got terminated. It's that simple. Police want to make it this, oh, it's a drug, it's cartel, it's all this. No, no, no. That's all a bunch of bullshit. She was leaving her boyfriend. She saw something she shouldn't have seen. She was trying to distance herself from that. Those three things she told me personally. And then she was terminated. Like, it doesn't get any more clear than that to me. The case involved real estate. Somebody knowing the intimate deals of real estate transactions and corporate transfers. Cartel don't know that kind of shit. Cartels, from my best understanding, and certainly I've talked to a few not very nice people over the last 16 years who are involved in that kind of stuff from a criminal aspect. And they all laugh. They're just like, if drug lords, cartels want somebody taken out, they just go shoot them. There's no fucking around with real estate transaction and my husband's being transferred. Can you meet us at this house? We're catching a ferry, all that stuff. No, 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 no. Hitman arrives in town. Where are you? Boom. See you later. And especially cartel. Cartel want you to know that it was them saying, don't fuck with us or here's what happens to you. Well, that isn't anything to do with this case. To that point, because this was is on my question list, um, are, are you're familiar, I'm sure, with uh, retired RCMP detective Gary Rogers. He, right, right. I, I, and I know you are because we, we've spoken about him, but his theory of the case, and he stated this, I believe, in, in Xander's podcast. Xander Sherman was a journalist who uh, worked for the Capital Daily, who ex investigated the case. The Capital Daily, of course, got a bunch of new files released. But Gary Rogers states that someone in the Victoria real estate community had to be involved in Lindsay's murder. It was someone who Lindsay worked with, and someone that person gave Lindsay's cell phone number. And they knew a lot about the case and the real estate, uh, according to Rogers. Uh, and he apparently is writing a book about the case and claims he has the link that's going to break it open. So now, what do you know what he's talking about here? I really don't rely on anything that uh, Gary Rogers has to say. I think if anybody wants a reference point in this case, it's not that man. If anybody wants a reference point in this case, go watch the Dateline show. Dateline, NBC spent $2 million on doing a show and investigating it for Lindsay's unsolved murder. They hired three of the best experts you could probably find in the U.S. to uh, give an analysis of it, and that's on video. So when you watch them, what do they say? This was somebody very close to Lindsay, extremely close. 
But Jeff, doesn't that it matches what you're saying? You're saying that it's he, it's non-cartel related, and it's someone close to Lindsay. I mean, that wouldn't that data point matches someone in the real estate community that's not not cartel related? Absolutely, and it's they even said, you know, it's somebody that works in the business, possibly in her own office. I mean, they were very clear about it. They were like, "How many people take a butcher knife to a house showing? That isn't the place hitmen operate." Hitmen operate in parking lots and street corners and whatever. It's insane that that whoever did this got away with it. I I mean, it's just unacceptable and unbelievable. But according to, I know you don't want to use Rogers as an access point, but he claimed that whoever did this was able to like bypass the realtor entry, that whoever was doing this was like intimately involved in even the Remax listing database. Now, I mean, that seems like really specific evidence for him to be putting out there. Well, I don't think it's anything new. That's why I don't rely on much what he says. Mm, Okay. We know that information. And I think what has to be clear here too is people make a big issue over this. Oh, they had Lindsay's cell phone number. It was public. It was in her advertisements. Everybody had her cell phone number. That wasn't a key thing. I think what was key was they knew the name of a former client of hers, and that client happened to be away on holidays. I think that's very important stuff. Who would know the name of a former client of hers? And she wasn't in the business very long. And who would know that that client's going to be away on holiday? There are just too many convenient coincidences in Lindsay's unsolved murder. Too many to say, oh, it was cartel. No, no. No. Write for the CrimeWire. Email crimewireteam at gmail.com for more information. Do you have a theory, a hypothetical? Like, because it sounds like we're zeroing in on someone close to Lindsay, very likely real estate related. So then, what is your theory, Jeff? Do you have one? Are you comfortable talking about that? Well, I'll talk about anything. You know what? Just to give a preface to that question i promised myself right from the beginning that i would keep an open mind and i really don't care who it is i don't care i don't have any favorites here what i want is arrests charges convictions i don't give a shit who it is i really don't in saying that do i have a personal theory yes as a father being involved with this for 16 years knowing my daughter very well my gut tells me certain things. And of course, I've just seen volumes and volumes and volumes of information. So yes, somebody very close to her. And I think I laid out my theory earlier on. Pretty young lady, ambitious, saw something she shouldn't have seen, trying to distance herself from the people involved in the criminal activity she saw that she shouldn't have seen. Obviously, they made a decision that she was too high risk and they terminated her. Uh, I'm not going to name names on here, but yeah, it's local. It's uh, someone very close to Lindsay. So you have to remember now, I've been at this 16 years. A day doesn't go by. I don't do something about Lindsay's murder or talk to somebody about it, whether it's somebody who says they know something or somebody I'm just having a chat with or somebody new that wants to be my friend. They've got a theory. I'm reviewing this all the time. I talk to uh, the uh head of the case uh, once a month. You know, I'm kept pretty up to date on all this. And uh, all roads sort of lead to one spot. And no matter how many times I've tried to go down other roads, you know, the bridge is out. And Jeff, one of the things we've talked about is 
the emotional side of this, the psychological health behind taking on something that most people can't comprehend, which is the pain of, of losing someone and ha- having it unsolved. And you've talked about the steps you've taken, the adventures you've taken to try and maintain your mental health over the years. And you've also talked about how these kinds of things can destroy people. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that because I, I always thought it was really beautiful to hear you talk about that part. Yeah, so in my particular case, when you're faced with the reality of your daughter, especially getting murdered, your world's upside down. I mean, it is the most devastating thing you could ever imagine in your life. You're screaming out, you're hollering, you literally want to kill. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you ask any parent what they would do if somebody killed one of their childs, their first words are, I kill them. So there certainly was all that going on. There was sleepless nights on end, terror and horror. But what I had to do early on to keep my sanity was one, I immediately went and sought counseling. I did that for six years, steady. And then, um, you know, I knew I had to stay active as best I could. Uh, but the first thing that hit me was, this isn't about me. So that hit me fairly early on. I was looking in the mirror one day, all sad sack, crying. You know, to be blunt, you'd just be like, what the fuck's going on here? You're just so hurt. And it just dawned on me standing there looking in the mirror, and I just went, this isn't about you, you pathetic fuck. This is about a beautiful young woman, the beginning of her life, who was at work. This is what this is about. Get off your sorry ass and do something about this and stop the self-pity. Like, this ain't about you, pal. That was a rude awakening for me. And it wasn't an instant transaction. It was a haunting thought that stayed with me for quite some time. To this day, when I get sad, it's like, this ain't about you, pal. You think, okay, I have to do something. Well, you're trying to work, but I mean, that's almost impossible. So you're burning money fast. What happened was, you know, I started um, doing everything I could along with counseling. I was climbing mountains. You know, I spent a lot of time in nature, searching a lot through spiritual stuff. And uh, I was struggling with that because, you know, you question how could a, a God or whatever we want to call this out there allow something like this to happen to such a precious young lady. So that was a real struggle for me. So I traveled a bit to exotic places with different religions, seeking explanations, answers, peace, wisdom, all that kind of stuff to make sense because you're just a scrambled mess, right? You know, and I started speaking more publicly. I ended up speaking at three conferences. That's where I met the Ombudsman for Victims of Major Crime for Canada from Ottawa, capital of the country. And I remember her saying to me, Jeff, how the fuck do you do this? And I just said, I don't know. I have to. It's my duty. I just kept thinking duty, my duty, my duty as a father. It's my duty as a citizen. It's my duty as a man to do something about it. So I have to do something about my mental health alongside with doing something about murder. So, of course, I started walking right away. And then that turned into you know, the mountain climbing and traveling a bit to seek answers. And, you know, the clearest for me, I would talk to 
uh, you know, Muslim people. I talked to, uh, you know, Christians, of course, of all kinds. And uh, I ended up in Southeast Asia and the Buddhists really resonated with me. I would say a combination of all that is somewhat kept me sane. And then I took up hang gliding. And that really changed the perspective for me. It made me realize how vulnerable we are, really, all of us, and how precious life is. Like when you're at 8,000 feet or 10,000 feet above the ground, hanging by a strap two inches wide, suspended under a wing, and getting bounced around at times, it gives you perspective, and it really centers you. And uh, it was really a key element for me. And then they asked me to start teaching, which really helped me get grounded again. Other than that, I was spending a lot of time in nature, you know, lots of kayaking, lots on the water, lots of hiking, of course, the mountain climbing stuff. But uh, the main thing for me was do something, you know, take action. So I kept on the whole Lindsay thing, got public about it. Here we are. You know, I don't know how I've made uh, because the ombudsman told me over 42% never make it and never return to normal life. 42% of parents of people who are murdered. Yeah, never recover. And in this age of social media, there's so many news stories. I mean, you see all of the headlines. And so you see all of the different people who, who go through what you went through. And it must be just kind of like for you revisiting that feeling. Because there's so many horrible cases of, of people who are killed. And we don't see the follow-up with family members. We may get an interview where they talk about it, but we don't see them 15 years later and and whether they've been able to survive that. But in your case, it sounds like this is just, you must see this case solved. And I really, I, I feel like it's important that you keep it up on the radar so that the police cannot just let it slide, And which is not to say that that's what they've done, but 16 years, that's an awful long time to have to wait for justice for such an evil crime. You know, I'd like to speak out to everyone here about that. That's not acceptable. 16 years isn't acceptable. Six years isn't acceptable. Certainly 30 years is not acceptable. The only reason it happens is we, the citizens of the country, whatever we live in, we allow that to happen. We don't pressure the police. We don't give them mandates. You know, there's no incentive for them. There's nothing. Do you know that they get pay raises, promotions, all that stuff, while they don't solve the crime? Saanich police, this is their major, major crime. They have really nothing else there as big as this. We've had like six police chiefs, you know, five mayors. I don't know how many heads of the file. They've all failed, but they've got promotions, pay raises, big pensions, great retirement. Do you know what happens in the real world? You don't do your job. You get fucking fired. You get demoted. The police... They don't do their job? Ah, no big deal. Hey, you want to go to the range today? Where are you going on holidays, man? I just got a promotion. It's insane. And we've allowed that. They've fooled us into believing they're some kind of special people. They're heroes. No, they have a fucking job. And I'm just pissed off with this whole thing. I don't believe that crap anymore that they try and impose on us. You chose your fucking career. If you don't like it and you think it's that bad, go do something else. Don't tell me you're some kind of special person. You work for municipalities? 
so do the people that cut the grass, pick up the garbage, fix the water pipes, and clean out the fucking sewer. They're no different than those police officers, as far as I'm concerned. They're an employee of that district. Those people have to do their job. Can you imagine if they didn't fix the water pipes, the sewer pipes, pick up the garbage, cut the grass, fix the streets? Can you imagine how we'd live? No, if they don't do that, they get fired. What do the police do? They drive around fancy fucking cars and uniforms telling everybody what heroes they are, and they don't solve a fucking murder. I don't buy that at all, and I'm done with it. I'm tired of it. You're an employee. Do your fucking job. Is this a matter of the police don't want to release what they know? Or why are people being allowed to go on being scared of a, of a potential coordinated killing? You know, it, it's. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I feel like your frustration is more than justified at this point after 16 years. Yes, and you know, another interesting point is I've probably heard from as many people that have been told, don't fucking talk about this case. They've been told that in social situations. We don't talk about it. I would advise you not to either. I've even had some phone me that have been told, you're going to be the next Lindsay Buziak unless you shut your fucking mouth. Like I've had people, women, phone me and tell me they've been threatened that the police do nothing they do nothing about it they called me in one day told me there was a hit on me and i said well, who is it well we can't tell you it's insane and you know from a psychological perspective i have a degree in psychology from the university of victoria so i know a little bit about psychology no expert i know a little bit more than the average person when somebody gets away with something they'll do it again They'll do it again. It's no different than when you're a little kid and you steal a cookie from the cookie jar. If mommy don't catch you, you're going after those cookies. Right. By not solving the crime, whoever did it now, they, they have impunity to do it again, essentially. The message out there is you can get away with it. That is the message. For disclosure, for full transparency, uh, for people that don't know the full context of the case, there, there's also allegations that the crime scene was kind of contaminated early on by just kind of first responders and people that just didn't properly quarantine the crime scene. So critiques against the police, this is nothing new. It's just part of a long, ongoing narrative of that particular city. It's just really unfortunate that, as a result, Lindsay has not gotten justice for 16 years now. But people who are in that area who want to attend on February 2nd, uh, where should they meet well, I'll tell you, if you're willing to come and show a little bit of support of any kind, I'd really appreciate it very much. Even if you do not want to do the walk or you cannot do the walk, show up at the Saanich Municipal Hall at about quarter to 10, 10 to 10. I try and start the walk at 10. Even if you just show up to hug or shake hands or tell somebody you're supporting this, you want justice in this case, it's greatly appreciated. If you want to walk, we're going to walk. I think it's under 5Ks. Now, I've cut it back. It used to be 7. From the Saanich Municipal Hall to the legislature, which means, you know, the parliament buildings in Victoria. It's the capital city of BC. So we just walk, you know, visit while we're walking. Uh, media tends to show up. I think it just it reminds the police. It reminds the politicians. It reminds the public that the police aren't doing their job because this crime isn't solved, and there needs to be action. I think that's very, very important. 
people have to realize now that if they want something done, if five people are whining about it, it's not going to happen. If 50 are whining about it, it's not going to happen. If 500 are showing some discord, certain people are going to pay attention, politicians, police. If 5,000 show some discord, there's going to be action. We need big numbers. We need big numbers to support in any way people can, whether it's writing letters to the mayor of Saanich, the Solicitor General of BC, Police Chief of Saanich. If they get 5,000 emails or letters, that's a big reminder about get off your ass, get this thing solved, quit making excuses. Really, that's where we're at. The Crime Wire. A crime writing community for digital sleuths, armchair detectives, and future mind hunters. You know, I just feel duty bound, and it's not so much about justice for Lindsay or vengeance or anything. That's a part of it, but really, it's about your sister, your cousin, your girlfriend. You know, this is about a woman who was at work. Cut all the other bullshit around this case. Young woman going to work. Somebody was pissed off at her. They killed her. Like, that shouldn't be allowed. And as far as I'm concerned, those kind of people need to be terminated. You murder, you die. You have no useful purpose in society. When you distill it down, I think that's an important message because, you know, violence against women is always a problem. And it's always an overlooked problem. And here you have probably a worst case scenario of it. And you haven't expressed much optimism towards the police, but do you have any spark in there that makes you think perhaps an arrest could come at some point soon? Yes. And I think those responsible for the death of my daughter should be starting to shake in their boots a bit. Because one, we're coming for you, no matter what, you're going to get caught. But as far as the police go, there's a quite a competent person who oversees the file. He's not from Sandwich Police. He's from the RCMP, which is the Canadian Police Service. So right now, there's uh, forensic work being done at a top lab in the U.S., one of the premier labs in the USA, which is supposedly one that has breaking technology on DNA stuff. Is this the genetic genealogy stuff they're doing? They won't tell me that. They just say... We're doing forensic work in the U.S. It's a series of six sessions. Uh, the lab is extremely busy. There's a big, long queue because everybody wants to use this lab. The first round was very positive, so they've entered round two. So I'm getting told that they feel very positive about Lindsay's case being solved. They won't give me a timeline. You know, suspects, no, they won't admit to anything. But uh, it's given me a little bit of encouragement that there's somebody watching over Saanich police. I tried to get them fired off the case. I reached out to government officials high up. Uh, they wouldn't fire them, but they uh, made sure that somebody was there to oversee them. That's where we're at at the moment, and that's all I can hang my hat on. But I can't sit back and live in hope. Uh, it almost seems like if I back off, then nothing gets done. So. Just got to keep the pressure on, keep doing what I do, and stay focused on seeing that Lindsay's murder is solved. Well, I agree with, with that, that the focus should be on, on Lindsay and solving the case. And anyone who wants to come talk, tell their perspective on the case is welcome to. But for now, 
it does kind of seem like you are the one that is forcing the police to actually have to solve the case, which is utterly insane to me. But I was going to ask you, are there other murder cases in Sanic that are using up their resources? No, they're not short of resources for Lindsay's unsolved murder. I can guarantee you that today. Whether they're short for other stuff, I have no idea. But I know for Lindsay's unsolved murder, whatever resources are required are available to them. So that's not an excuse they can use. As far as other people and other things that are going on, unfortunately, I don't get too involved in other things. Uh, I hear a lot of stuff. A lot of people approach me to ask if I could help them out with their situation. And unfortunately, I just have to say, you know, I have to stay focused on this. When this is done, yes. But at this point in time, I just cannot spread myself too thin. We remain focused. I remain optimistic that there's going to be conviction. I don't look at Sanic police being anything, you know, good or bad. I just want them to do their fucking job. So if they accomplish that, that doesn't mean they're heroes. That means they did the job they're supposed to do. And it's about bloody time. That's really what this is all about. How the hell could it take you all this time? I don't believe that. Is there any part of you that thinks that some of the stuff that the police have put out there recently, is it possible they have used the drug cartel thing as a purposeful diversionary tactic so that the real perpetrators maybe get a false sense of comfort? Yeah, absolutely. The police use all kinds of different tactics, Jake, and it, it was interesting. I learned from them fairly early on. They were doing things that I didn't feel were right or I didn't believe were truthful. For the longest time, I was trying to trap them and catch them, and, and I finally did. And it was a big lesson for me because I've been taught that police are this authority, right? That they've convinced us all that there's some kind of special deal there and they're our friends and, you know, they tell the truth. And to a certain degree, yes, that's what they do. They're not our friends anymore. They used to be maybe in the 50s. And I think in the 60s, that changed. So it's almost like they're my friend, but they're my enemy at the same time. They're an adversary. They're working for us. Supposed to be. Taxpayers pay them. They've lost perspective of that. We've lost perspective of who the hell are they? So what I learned earlier when I caught them, I remember this police officer, good guy, he sort of looked at me and smiled and shook his head. He goes, do you think we catch criminals by telling the truth every day? What the fuck's wrong with you? Give your head a shake. Like that was a huge lesson for me. They use all kinds of tactics. They probably use me. They probably leak info to me that I put out. They use the media. They do whatever they need to do. They're not lily white. And I'm not saying they're criminals. But they use whatever tactics they have. I know there's been a few people criticizing me. Oh, he's lying. He's not telling the truth. I'm like, hello? Maybe I'm trying to do something to convince somebody to say something. I picked that up from the police. I believe their manual was like probably written in 1954. And they're still using the same manual. And I've told them that. Come on, get with it. Today's all different program here. Because it's not solved, I fall back on their failing. But I meet with them sometimes and, you know, try and give them a bit of a pep talk and hear what they have to say. And at times they're working hard, but they got to step it up. They want to be a top team. They want to be gold medal winners. They got to work at it. 
just like an Olympic athlete, dedicated every day to that purpose. Not, oh, it's the job. Hey, how's my pension coming? You know, am I going to get a promotion? They're more concerned about that. And they're just not focused. You're saying where's the passionate, intense focus that one would want to think that police are having when approaching the absolute worst thing that can happen to a human being. I, I think it's a fair request. Absolutely. That's their job. That's their duty. Their duty is to serve and protect. Damon, did, did you have a, a follow-up or anything? Yeah. On a personal level, Jeff, it's been really great talking to you, and I really admire your strength and tenacity in the face of something so horrible. So really respect what you're doing. If anyone's listening to this podcast after February 2nd, which is the anniversary of, I'm sorry, I use that word, murder day, as you called it, Jeff, it's an annual event. But let's hope between this February, next February, something comes up and puts this thing away. But uh, you have a website or is there anywhere you want people to contact you if they want to get involved in the walk or just, you know, get in touch about other things? Well, I'm probably most available through uh, my Facebook, Jeff Buziak. I'm on Facebook. I think there's two of us. One of them is a rocket scientist in eastern U.S. And there's me. So obviously <laughs> they can figure it out pretty fast. Who's who? <laughs> And then there's a website, uh, lindsaybuziakmurder.com, which uh, has a lot of information. There's another website, Murder on D'Souza, which is run independently by someone. Those are probably the two most important things. I would say if anybody wants like a really good perspective on it, look up the Dateline show on Lindsay Buziak uh, and listen to what the experts there have to say. Brilliant stuff repeat it, stop it, listen to every word the three experts say on that show, that probably tells you more than anything else about what happened with Lindsay's murder. What year was that produced? That would have come out in uh, 2011. That's the standard, that Dateline show. But there's a Dateline show you can look up. There's a Crime Watch Daily show you can look up. There's a Discovery ID show you can look up. And I was on Dr. Phil a couple of years back. So, you know, there's certainly those four. And, uh, you know, your podcast. All right. Well, Jeff, uh, I want to thank you once again for coming on. And, you know, we're going to keep in contact. We'll keep talking about it with you as time progresses. And I'm, I'm truly hoping that in the coming years, uh, we are talking to you as the indictment, arrest, and conviction is unfolding. And I think I think it's reasonable for us to hope for that. Well, that's what's going to happen, and uh, because we're going to get them. We're going to get them. I believe that. I believe that. We, they are coming for you. It's going to happen one way or the other. All right, Jeff, we really appreciate you coming on, and we want to send you all of our, our love, and uh, just good luck out there. And uh, we'll be in contact. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for uh, talking to me, gentlemen. I, I am truly grateful. This has been a production of thecrimewire.com.